Hey friends, thanks for tuning in. We got a great episode for you this week. We're going to talk about a couple stories I have going around doing our real estate thing as we do each week. Crazy brokers, how to catch bees with honey, not vinegar, and also opportunity placement, doing the right thing, getting a break, and then being there and executing. But the main story we want to talk about is posted in The Real Deal. Poll seeks to punish landlords with warehousing fee for vacancies. It's a response to the new tenant protections, rent stabilization updates that took place in July. Hope you enjoy. Bye. You're tuned in to the Ask Amadeus podcast, where we talk about topics in real estate in New York that bring people together, humans, homes, and culture. How does it impact you on the individual level? How does it impact society on the larger level? And tips and strategies to better your life through planning, financial planning through real estate and understanding real estate. Enjoy the episode. Bye. All right, let's just get right into it. Current events. This last weekend had a little scary incident in horses and divorces in Williamsburg. Oh, jeez, drop the mic. Where a, it's getting late at night. You know, one of my favorite, after 2 a.m., think about going home, okay? I don't care if you're young, old, or whatever. Just 2 a.m., people got too many drinks in them. Weird stuff happens. So a couple young ladies are out having a nice drink in the town. They're at the corner of the bar. And a guy comes in, according to the report, visibly intoxicated. Starts whispering sweet drunk nothings into their ear. They don't like this, as nobody would. So they go down to the other end of the bar and mind their own business. He's kind of stewing. As they say, he's kind of getting real angry. Obviously visibly intoxicated. It's not an excuse, but just to give some context to the story. And... The dude whips out a gun and shoots shoots a gun. Uh, I think this was not before he was asked to leave by the bouncer, and the bouncer was kind of close by him. And the guy pulled out a gun, shot one into the wall, and then I guess I shot another one where the bouncer was kind of bringing him down. And luckily, nobody was hurt. Uh, the bouncer took care of the situation. Good for him. Congratulations. Honestly, sometimes I've been to some of these... Williamsburg bars late at night. They, these bouncers got they got a they got a they got a job in their hands there. So the cops come, they arrest this dude. Turns out that this is a NYPD undercover narcotics agent or officer detective, whatever you want to say. So this guy's carrying a gun. He's a NYPD officer. He's also in the undercover narcotics unit, so I'm sure there's some gray areas that happen with this it just goes with the profession i mean you need these guys on the streets but you know i'm sure they're not living the 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 um always the the stress of the job is probably unbelievably high and they're probably not always living the uh straight and narrow blue line so that is that's a crazy story i mean he's i think he's getting charged with attempted murder attempted manslaughter uh and he's a cop on top of that so he's looking at some time hopefully he's okay hopefully yes you know his family is maybe he was going through some sort of uh 
personal moment, but I'm glad everybody is okay. This is, uh, I think it's Thursday the 5th. The other, so we have multiple cases of Corona in New York now. I don't know if you saw this viral video, but a man, there's a, this is a little scary. Uh, we don't know exactly what the s- situation or circumstances is, but in, I think it was Corona Queens, there was a video of some dude with a mask, a Chinese guy, laying in the middle of the sidewalk and like he is passed out, passed out, very passed out. And he has the mask on. Obviously, everybody's very um, on edge right now around the world in New York City as we get more cases. But, you know, if you go look at this video, man, on the, laying on the sidewalk in Queens. It's a little bit disturbing. So another story, the stock market was had a re- rebound. But then today, a big sell off. It was up 1,200 points. Today, it's down 700. Can it make up its mind, please? Okay please. And then there was another story. And then also, so there's another viral video going around where a guy is spraying an Asian dude on the subway with disinfectant. It's just sad. I mean, it is really not good. I mean, New York is the place where people from all over the world come together and can make a living for themselves and you know if you work hard i mean the situation you know the housing situation isn't great but if you work hard you can pull yourselves up by the bootstraps that is the new york way you might live in a fifth story walk up in a studio with two friends but you can do it and this is this is bs no one should be subjecting our fellow new yorkers to that so shame on that dude that is another viral video going around and One other big story for the week is interest rates get cut, okay? This is the third time, I think, this... Third time this... um, Sorry about that. Third time this this year that they've been cut. So we're looking... We've been seeing rates where, you know, for jumbo loans getting 30 years under three in certain circumstances. Uh, I had a couple clients come back with three, two... That's low. That's low, 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 low. Um, if you you know if you're not in the market to sell your house, go talk to your mortgage broker and talk about refinancing. If you got like a four two, and you can get a whole point off, that's a significant amount of savings. You should do that. So, just if you want to talk to anybody, let me know. I have a bunch of friends who are in the mortgage business. They can help you out. See if it's worth it. If it's not, you know, it's up to you. Um, but it's if you're not, but it's definitely something to at least have the conversation. It doesn't hurt, right? What else is going on? Um, this week, I had a really... Oh, man. This is this is a couple stories I had. I do a lot of construction walkthroughs, okay? So long story short, not just being a broker, but I do construction walkthroughs through new developments. It's a little bit of a negative story, so I don't want to make it too long, but... We get to a place, basically what happens is a new development, you see something on spec, on marketing materials, you buy it, you go into contract, it could take one, two years to close. It's very common. Um, so obviously, you know, markets change in the last two years, the market did change. So there's a lot of animosity, I think, with people who bought some of these really high-end properties uh, and waited to close. So that's an issue. And then 
Number two, you want to make sure it's delivered to what you think you were supposed to buy. So what we do is basically we 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 intermediate between the developers and the buyers and make sure that the construction team is moving along and that there's no defects in the apartment to a certain you know national home builders guidelines. And uh, that's that's the goal, right? We're 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 trying to you're trying to approach the closing as before the buyer's punch, and um, you know, we get there. There's a problem getting the apartment. It's definitely inconvenient. It's not nice, but we finally get in the apartment. It takes about an hour, which is kind of unacceptable to me. But listen, if you're in a situation, you got to get a job done. Try to have the best attitude as possible. And you will get better results. So we get there and the broker, A, is late, okay, which is fine. Their inspector is a half hour late too. So it's also, you know, these things happen. I I, I get it. It's not a big deal. This broker starts badgering the doorman, starts yelling at me like I have anything to do with this, I don't even work. I'm a, I'm a third party, so I'm I'm supposed to be like an objective third party. So I don't work for buyer. I don't work for seller. We're just a quality to ensure quality standards, and have objective person saying, "Hey, this is fair. This is not fair." Okay, starts yelling at me, and starts yelling at the doorman. Starts yelling at everybody, escalating the situation unnecessarily. It's just, ooh, it is bonkers. I could not believe this is the. This person was like a cart. They looked like a cartoon person from the Upper West Side, rich elite person with pearls who, I mean, you couldn't be more of a caricature of someone. And they were so nasty. All right. And I guess the the point of this is that it being nasty doesn't help anybody. Okay. And you need to understand who, what the relationships are, who is who. And who doesn't give two about it? That person is me. So they started yelling at me. And I was like, listen, lady, I don't work for you. I don't work for the seller. And I'm the guy who's trying to help you here. I don't think you understand that. And their immediate, after anyone spoke anything, their immediate response was, no, you don't understand. And sorry, lady, no, you don't understand. And so I had to tell her to leave. She eventually leaves everything. We start getting progress done once she leaves and uh, didn't really listen to the process of how I explained. We go through these punch lists and it made it very difficult. And then finally, towards the end, we're almost done. She comes back and gets wild. Like she comes back at the end and starts bitching about everything. It doesn't understand that like she is the broker, but she legally has no bearing in this walkthrough. Her opinion does, you know, she, her opinion to her client does matter. But to me, technically on paper, it does not. So I had to give her a little guff. But the point is being mean to people and condescending to people doesn't work. And then at the end, I kept this for a little, I kept this to end just to rub it in her face a little bit. She also doesn't understand that my other job is I also work for the same company as she does in a different aspect, not at this specific location. And as soon as she found that, she's trying to butter me up to bend the rules for her after she was mean to me for like four hours. 
You gotta be kidding me. Nope, not gonna happen here, lady. So I tried not to get too worked up about it. I actually thought it was kind of comical. She kept telling me that you think this is funny, but it's not. But it was because when people are freaking out, it's kind of funny sometimes. So and then so that's a negative side of the story. I want to talk about a positive side of the story. Okay, that's being negative. A positive story I had this week. A friend of mine, a friend of mine who I used to work with in real estate, very nice guy. His name's Charles Botenstein. If you go online, follow him at Botenstein. Sells a lot of co-ops, condos, mostly in Manhattan, Upper West Side, Upper East Side, Midtown, things like that. And he has been making videos online for a decade with not a whole lot of viewership. He does, you know, he's actually, you know, he's constant. He's probably thousands and thousands of videos, thousands uh, with not a lot of people watching. I mean, not a lot. I mean, like he definitely gets business from it. Uh, he has his own little, like he's probably got a following of like 2000 people, which is nice between all your channels. You know, you're going to get business out of it and it's a nice interaction. It's a good hobby to have. It makes you look professional. They're also kind of higher quality uh, real estate, uh, real estate videos for Instagram. And then he also just kind of like book reviews and, and, uh, uh, Tony Robbins type, uh, positive affirmation, you know, just being positive videos. That's actually kind of how we, we, I used to sit next to him or worked in the same office as him for real estate. And he made these positive videos. I always liked them, but they're really corny sometimes, but it's genuine. So it's funny. And, I also think it's funny because real estate agents, we say a lot, a lot of times we say the things over and over again, like high ceilings, awesome this, and, you know, herringbone that. And I just think it's funny, but his attitude is just super positive. So, and it's contagious and it's definitely funny. And he has a good sense of humor about things about, you know, sometimes people knock on him on the internet. If you put anything on the internet, people are going to knock on you. It's just a fact. All right. Um, so anyways, he, I'm listening to Your Mom's House podcast, my favorite, one of my favorite podcasts, Tom Segura, Christina P., some of the biggest comedians out right now have this podcast. It's very edgy. It's definitely rated R and it's just super funny. So they have an ongoing segment called where they profile people, profile people on the internet who are just silly, out of control, either public flip outs, um, cool, the cool guy club. And one of them is guys sending videos to girls and freaking them out or having dating stuff. So they have a lot of funny ones. But anyways, I remember he used to send girls these videos on Match 10, 15 years ago. And I was always like, dude, these are crazy. Like, you're, this is not going to end well for you. It's going to be hard to get girls to go on dates with you. But, you know, he didn't really care because he does his own things. You know, I, I kind of, you know, you got to do, you got to be you. And... 10 years later, one of these girls who doesn't know submits it to the podcast. He gets featured on the podcast and I'm listening and I'm like losing my mind. I think it's so funny. Um, I ended up contacting him, contacting YMH, and then he gets on the show and he's like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to get made fun of or not, which you usually do because it's a comedy podcast. But he did it in a positive spin. He did it in a positive spin. He was made a joke out of it, didn't take himself too seriously, and then he got featured on their page and now has a much bigger following. And because he's been making videos for so long, now he has this whole 
library of work that he's done for 10 years, which with relatively little traction, to be honest. Um, But now he got this audience on him and he spun it in a great way because of his positive attitude. And I think that's just a really cool contrast to the other story I had this week where one person was nasty didn't and ended up not getting what she wanted because she was being rude and mean to people and her attitude was bad. And another person who had an opportunity who who took advantage of it, spun it in a good way, made the most of it. And then also finally, this is one of my big um, life philosophies. Like I don't really believe in luck, but I, I like to use the word opportunity placement. So laying the groundwork to have something good happen to you. And then once something good happens, so for instance, like if you want to get a listing or you want to get some business, you have to be physically be in the area where the, the, the possibility is going to happen. And this, this guy, Charles, he was, he got the opportunity after 10 years and it landed, he landed right there. It just didn't happen overnight. And that's what I call opportunity placement where you lay the right right bricks down and eventually something happens to you. I think it's funny that the video out of the thousands of videos he made, he didn't want the one he didn't want online is what made him kind of viral, which is kind of funny. It's just ironic. But then on the flip side, he put so much hard work into it, good attitude that once people were once the light was show, shown on him, shined on him, he had all this other content that people could go to. So I thought that was a pretty cool little contrasting lesson that everyone should be a part of. And then lastly, for this little week, we, you know, if you checked out my property videos, we went and saw a couple studios in Brooklyn Heights. We saw a couple um, places in Park Slope and Greenpoint. That's that one fifty-five pineapple already in contract. It's there. It's uh, things are moving quick. Interest rates are are down. Inventory is low. Buyers are there. Spring market because of the weather's coming up soon. So get out there. We our next our next story. We're going to talk about warehousing apartments in New York. What does that mean? Why is it a bad idea? What is it? But before we do that, I got to sell you something. Okay, so for part two of this episode, we're going to talk about warehousing fees, okay? This is an ongoing issue right now in New York City real estate. It has a lot to do with the presidential politics, the city politics, and state politics, okay? It's a follow-up from the episode I did. I think I talked about it a few times, but basically related to the new tenant protections and regulations that were set in motion in July, in July, just to recap very quickly, um, we did a mat. It's one of the biggest changes in real estate rental laws that's happened in a very long time. Basically, rent stabilized apartments got frozen. Um, you can't. The long story is short: is landlords cannot spend money on their apartments to improve, do capital improvements to raise the rent. Prior to this. You could, I forget the exact ratio, but you could say you can invest $10,000 in a unit to raise it $100 a month or $10 a month, something like that. That has been 
put on ice for the purpose of trying to stay to preserve stabilized units because rent is going so crazy nationwide and specifically New York City. So the real deal reports poll seeks to punish landlords with warehousing fee for vacancies. There's a lady called Linda Rosenthal, and uh, this is kind of specifically surrounding larger places. Like they, they really talk about um, St- Stuyvesant Town. Stuyvesant Town is the largest residential complex, I believe, in the country. And it's an old complex from World War II that was actually for housing World War II vets when they returned as from World Wars, the World War II. So there, you get it. There's a lot of rent-stabilized apartments. A lot of people whose parents had those apartments, their kids still lived there, so it's a big percentage. Um, but it's changed hands a lot. Now it's at Blackstone, which is the largest, has secretly become, or not secret, not so secretly, just like quietly became the largest single-family f- landlord in the country they they own this property now so who's linda rosenthal she's a manhattan politician and she wants to penalize landlords for warehousing rent stabilized apartments and use the proceeds to address the city's persistent homeless problem if you've noticed homelessness in new york has gotten way out of hand we've talked about this other episodes i don't want to talk about that too much right now but the bill proposed by by rosenthal who represents upper west side and hell's kitchen would levy fees on landlords for keeping Units off the market, which is a practice that has come into the market last year after these rent stabilization laws. And you're saying to yourself, why would a landlord want to keep an apartment off the market? There's a couple reasons. Well, sorry, let's get into the, the let's get into the fee first. Okay. Basically, what she's trying to say is after three months of vacancy, landlords would have to pay a penalty equal to the unit's last legal rent. After that, a landlord would be charged a monthly fee of 150% of the legal rent and the proceeds would go to fund a new a new agency to help homes and community renewal to, to give housing vouchers for homeless. And uh, Rosenthal said she didn't have any specifics on the number of apartments that are empty because it's very hard to get that data out of private individuals. There's no requirement to say how much vacancy you have. It's you're a private landlord. You can do whatever. Technically, you can do whatever you want, right? Um, and she didn't really have an estimate about how much money it would pull in. So basically, said she proposed this law with no numbers. Period. Right? What are you, what are, what are you doing? What's what's up with all these politicians who want to do these social welfare programs and have no hard numbers on what it will do? They want to have sweeping regulations to impose on private individuals but they don't have any real data on how much money it's going to make that's just to me blows my mind so there's obviously been a pushback and basically a lot of these small landlord lobby groups there's a bunch of them and they have real estate ones for agents they have ones for landlords every business has has lobbying groups we've talked about lobbying in other episodes so basically they're saying this is political pandering because being woke in new york is get your points in politics uh but basically uh the, the this group is saying that there's a rational decision to reduce the over the reason why they want to reduce overall operation costs and ma- maintaining long-term f- financial stability of buildings for residents who still live there so for an example like if you have a large complex and all of a sudden you have 
say you have 100 units, half of them are stabilized. Now you can't raise the rent on any of those or destabilize. You can't even, not even destabilize, you can't raise the rent enough to make it worth it to operate. So now the law has changed. You can't do the 2% increase each year or you can't do the um, capital improvement increase. You can't main upgrade these buildings. So their whole, the whole philosophy is that they're warehousing and keeping these things vacant because A, the cost to renovate them is too great. You know, for instance, like Stuyvesant Town, some of these haven't been renovated since the 40s. So, you know, you're going to spend in New York City, you could spend $100,000 easy on a one bedroom apartment to renovate it up to code. Easy. Not even a question. Then with some huge complex like that, you have to provide facility maintenance to those places. So sometimes they'll warehouse and section off large sections of a building to not service the area. Right. So they want to just say, hey, we're working on it. But right now, the, the, the numbers don't add up. So, you know, a couple bigger landlords are doing this. Blackstone, who's obviously a huge, huge hedge fund, uh, who owns Town, is coming under um, is coming under fire for this. They bought the whole complex for five point three billion in 2015. And then basically last July, Blackstone announced that it would halt improvements because of the new limits, right? And in on rent increases to pay for renovations. It just doesn't make any sense for stabilized units. And I kind of agree with this. Um, and then Blackstone was saying they're keeping as many as 50 apartments vacant, which are 50 apartments, I get it. Um, but then it said it was completely leased out. There's there's 11,000 units there. So 50 units out of 11,000, it's not that much. But Blackstone, they, were, they declined to comment, but... Um, you know, they're, they're a spokesperson, I guess they said, in many cases, the units have not been renovated for decades, requiring significant improvements, which take time. In addition, in light of rent legislation passed last summer, the limits on capital expenditures, we just have to adjust our process and vendors for conducting necessary renovations. Um, you know, labor costs are way up for renovations right now because of the state of the economy. And it, listen, sometimes it takes months and months to turn around because A, labor is backed up. Maybe your in-house labor is backed up. And if you need to outsource that labor, they're charging you higher fees than normal because they're so busy. So the bill would also allow landlords to petition to have a fee waived if they can demonstrate that the units are vacant because of substantial renovations that make it unhabitable. So like you're not going to get charged a fee for, um, you're not going to get charged a fee if it just costs too much money to, to, to renovate right now or you don't have the manpower to do it. But listen, three months off the market, like when you're renting, I think that is a long time. Like I think, to, listen, re- lower the rent and get someone in there. But because it's sw- the laws have put so much in favor of the tenants now and it really ties their hand for these landlords, some of these landlords are like, listen, I don't want to force myself to have a tenant to abide by these laws and take a loss. Like, why should they do that? And then also if you, for, for homelessness, like what happens too is that you'll get homelessness vouchers. You can get a tax write-off for the city, but then you get like a homeless hotel. So some of these hotels, they build them. They're like, we're going to be a hotel, but then they actually petition them and they become homeless shelters. It's kind of like a, a way to get around with, with, with zoning to do that. And then sometimes that happens in larger complexes. And then some people are paying market rate who 
have to hold the bag and other people are getting subsidized through these through these programs so um this is you know this practice has gone up quite a lot and who knows if it's to if they want to wait out to see if the law changes or it's because it just costs too much money so or they lost you know so i, I it's hard to really tell um but also it kind of brings into to a, a weird um diet you know, relationship of compelling action for someone on their private property and their business, which is kind of like a constitutional, is that the second amendment, the right to personal property and the government, not only having regulations on how you have to regulations on how you have to conduct yourself is one thing, but compelled action to go into the marketplace is a whole nother, um, constitutional issue. Like, you can say, hey, you have to have a fair business practices, but you can't compel me to go into the market, right? You can't compel me to do something that I don't want to do. Uh, but Rosenthal, you know, she's basically saying that it's unconscionable in the light of the homelessness crisis. And then this is this is some this quote I think is, is wild. All right. In my opinion, quote, when you become a landlord in a city as relentless as New York City, you enter into a social contract to make units available for rent, Rosenthal said, calling the warehousing game a game of chicken. That is crazy. You do not enter into a social contract when you're a landlord. You buy an apartment building and you want to do it to make money. You don't enter into a social contract. Where did that ever happen? That's such an assumption and it makes me very angry. It's all right though. And then last, lastly, landlords hope to hope the legislation will flinch and will change the law, but that's not the plan is the follow-up for, for Rosenthal. All right. So what's my two cents? One, the landlords could be waiting this out to see if they change the stabilization laws. Two, I know for a fact that costs are way up. That could be a huge part. Three, is it constitutional to compel someone to enter enter in a business transaction and then yeah for rosenthal listen this is not a great strategy for addressing a homelessness issue the thing that got us here in the first place is you were trying to help preserve housing and it backfired all right these buildings are being not being worked on so the quality of houses going down and they're just not getting to the market right now. So you want to make more legislation to have more fines to compel action for these landlords? I don't think that's a great idea. And I personally think it is political pandering for woke points in our city of New York where being woke is fashionable and um, it's just very anti-real estate business right now. And I understand where that comes from, but... Listen, everybody, it takes everybody to participate in a market to make it work. So you need to have better solutions. All right, that's it. That's all we have for now. I hope you enjoyed. This is the Ask Amadeus podcast where we bring together humans, homes, and culture, current events, how it helps you live a better life, be more knowledgeable, get informed, hopefully also entertained. Please follow me online at Marcus Amadeus on Twitter at Marcus Amadeus on Instagram and YouTube, and then also Marcus Shot Real Estate on Facebook. If you want to buy or sell an apartment in New York City, just contact me. My 
Real name is Marcus Schott. You can find me online. You can DM me through my social media. If you have a question, I'll answer it. If you want to have a real legit meeting about your real estate goals, we could do that as well. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It's not a representation of any real estate advice. So please keep that in mind. Enjoy, subscribe, tell a friend. Talk to you later. Bye.